0: As we go through book two, Sadhana Pada, that path to realization and on practice, we're really, really talking about, again, how badly do you want it? And when you uh, practice this step-by-step direction, you will be able to reach samadhi, which is what we were talking about before, and the state of samadhi is cognitive absorption, right? So that higher states of consciousness can be reached and your body can open up and be as bright as a Christmas tree if you practice this. Yoga Sutra 2.1, tapas, vadyaya, ishvara, pranahani, kriya, yogaha. So kriya is all about action and purification to do with love. So you have this fiery discipline, this self-study and devotion to the divine self. These are the actions to be taken to realize the state of yoga. Tapas, the mat that you practice on, did you know it was first called the tapas mat?
1: No.
0: So it used to be called the tapas mat. And before a tapas mat, when you practice in India, and the way they pra- describe it in the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, is you take a floor with some poop, some dung, and some water, and you like get it all flat and nice and shiny. And then it looks like, like kind of like concrete, it gets all nice. And so you would just practice on this. And then they started practicing on you know, cloth and then they came back and Americans made something called a tapas mat. But tapas is where heat or fire or self-discipline is, comes from. Where you have a burning desire or a burning passion because p- fire is a purifying force. Well, when we are on the tapas mat, we also practice not the physical forms of movement, but we also practice that physical form of corpse pose, right? So a big part of the process is to see yourself dying again and again, and then it then it teaches you to be here right now, to be in this moment. You're not afraid of death because ata now is the time. I die, You know, today, so I can begin again tomorrow. So it's like I come to the mat, I'm burning all my crap off, and then I can be the true person that I am. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Svadhyaya, self study, sacred learning, or negative research. So it's teaching you how to be wise. And Kriya Yoga is you're doing this yoga of action or purification, but you're doing it with love. L-O-V-E. Compassion to yourself. Yoga is the study of who you really are and it's a self-analysis practice with the end goal to be free. Once again, we see how this is just another form of therapy almost, right? When we go on to Yoga Sutra 2.3, we're talking about Avidya, Asmita, Raga, Dvesha, Avnivesha, Panchaklesha. So, Sounds interesting, right? Ignorance, egoism, attachment to pleasure, aversion to pain, and fear of death are the five obstacles to attaining a state of being. So, a is an obstacle or a hindrance to us becoming enlightened. And there's lots of obstacles in life, right? Um, being ignorant, having an ego, attachment to pleasure, you know... I'm, we have lots of issues that we're dealing with in our culture, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex abuse or being mean to someone or, you know, all these different things that people have. Those are just two sides of that coin of the um, raga and dveja, that pleasure and pain, right? And you can go to the extreme. You can be, like, really into yoga, but then it becomes an addiction, and then it's not so good because... You're so into practicing that you're not really enjoying the rest of your life. Or you could go into something that might not be so great, like, oh, I really like having, you know, like drinks, but then I'm taking my drinks to a whole new level, and then that becomes that whole, you know, balance of things. So, what you're practicing with that attachment to pleasure and aversion to pain, the raga Devesha, is that you're really trying to give yourself an opportunity to find a state of being that's balanced. So there are um, ways that clases could show up in your yoga practice. Um, avidya, which is all could be an example like age. I have scoliosis and twists are a big problem and when I meet new teachers by pointing I point to my back and say the word scoliosis as though it was my name. Right? Do you ever have people who, like, always have that one thing that they complain about? And it just, like, that's their story? Yeah? All right. Um, we all have a little bit of not perfectness to our spine, you know? So... Uh, I know. So what happens is uh Yeah. So um spell check wasn't so good on this. But um yeah, Asmita, the mirror, when doing hip openers, I can feel everyone staring at me because I've got um been tight in my hips. I wonder if that cute boy noticed my shorts. Oh my god, this sucks. Do you ever have that like Yes. M- mirrors were never in 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 the practice before and now like there's mirrors but what happens is that mirror triggers the asmita that ego or that what about me or like oh my god i'm feeling fat look at i don't fit into my clothes anymore or ugh, look at this person next to me uh they're so much prettier but you know it's all that negative self-judgment that doesn't do you any good right Um, Another form of Ekklesia is Raga, where your desire or your craving something, so like um, some people always want adjustments. They come up to you before class and they'll be like, will you adjust me in this pose? You're like, dude, that's not really, if you want the adjustment, maybe you shouldn't be having it, because you start craving it because they're like, they feel something that they're not receiving. Maybe from themselves, maybe from something else, right? Or that person who comes to class and they're always doing the advanced poses and then they're like springing into handstands, but they were gymnasts before and they just want you to stare at them, you know? That's a form of ecclesia. That's a form of a, you know, Uh yeah, that's a form of, you know, that desire or craving to be needed or wanted or noticed, um, dvesha is about clinging and aversion so that style of yoga has way too many forward folds I'm considering trying another style you know so some people who always come to class and they complain mm-hmm. right and they don't like it but often time uh, who was sitting and you said you didn't like hip openers or someone was saying something like oh, um, yeah 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 pigeon. yeah right yeah <laughs> pigeon yeah so the idea is that like the poses that you don't want or like, ugh, oh, you know, doing a restorative class, ugh, oh, I don't want that, I want a vinyasa, I need to get my ass kicked. Actually, it's what you need is the thing that you don't want to have or to do, right? That's the challenge. Um, and that's your klesha. abni fear. Like, do you ever have those people who go to the bathroom when it's time for crow pose? Or kind of like just like that's when they need to have their sip of water when they're going to practice inversion practice or something like that. So clear and distinct, unimpaired, discriminative knowledge is the means of liberation, Yoga Sutra 2.26. And 2.28, through the practice of the different accessories to yoga, when impurities are destroyed, there arises enlightenment culminating in discriminative enlightenment. So we're always changing we're always evolving and we're always transforming and that's how this kind of eight limb path kind of helps us to move forward as we go on this space of transformation and evolving process in our life um, when we get to yoga sutra 2.29 it's all about the yamas and the niyamas and then it goes to asana and pranayama. And it goes up through the eight limbs of yoga. And these are the um, moral restraints, personal observances, postures, breath control, sensory withdrawal, concentration, meditation, and cognitive absorption. Um, ashto isn't in this, but ashto is eight and anga is limb. So we're really um, practicing the eight limb path. And um, what I like about the idea of the ashto is that if you turn it sideways, it is the um, Infinite. infinite, right? But if you have it as it looks like an eight, like we were talking about yesterday, there's matter and there's spirit. So that triangle, if the triangle was turned into circles and the heart was in the center, then this is how it's fluidly going and the kundalini is moving along this infinite path keeping itself in check every time it checks back at the heart. So yama, I always tell people yama to your mama. That's a good way to remember it. Because self-restraints, control, the do-nots, the interpersonal relationship, that's yama to your mama um niyama is fixed observances the rules the precepts the personal dues it's like the golden rules of interpersonal relationships and asana means seat right to me it's that physical posture where you sit on the platform of the breath noticing how asana comes before pranayama so first we learn how to do the poses and the poses become uh, you know like comfortable in our bodies but then it's the breath so the asanas always sit on the platform of the breath and they're only effective when you're practicing this pranayama when you're practicing um, deep breath control and prana itself is about the vital life force that subtle energy that flows through your body so pra just like anu like anu shasanam In the beginning, that Yoga Sutra 1.1, it's that smallest atom. And when you match the pra of prana up with yama, yama is all about mastery or control. So when you're practicing pranayama, you're practicing breath control of your life force energy. And you're teaching yourself to become a witness and an observer through this breath practice. Where it's not like, oh, the breath is doing me. I'm letting, I, I, I'm not doing the breath. I'm letting, no. The, you're letting the breath do you through the breath control. Just like you let yoga do you versus you forcing through your yoga. You're giving yourself an opportunity to um, really focus on, uh, through pranayama, um, tapping into your vital life force, which we don't often do, especially when we are stressed or anxious. Yama, niyama, asana, and pranayama, those are all the gross kind of uh, practices. Whereas when you get to pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi, those are all the internal. Sensory withdrawal, retreat of senses, um. Dharana is concentration, where you're focusing the mind on one thing at a time. And dhyana is meditation. Samadhi, we already know of samadhi pada, that cognitive absorption, that perfect meditation, that super conscious enlightenment, where you're one with your higher self. All of these on the eight limb path, um, are uh, create an end result together right so it 's going from uh, that external to internal practices what 's really important to remember is is that because we 're always changing and evolving that this is a resiliency practice and I like to say like meditation is a is a uh, um, is a uh, resiliency practice in and of itself. And it really helps you to create a steady relationship with something that is always changing. And that pragmatic resiliency train, tra- uh, training that you're giving yourself is giving you the opportunity to let go of preconditioning because all you have is right here, right now. So when you teach yourself that pragmatic resiliency training, you really learn, just like that line that's written there, um, in, in a tornado, there's always calm at the center of the storm. They call it the eye. Hmm. The eye of the hurricane. Yoga Sutra 2.30, they start really diving into the yamas, or the moral restraints. And they are nonviolence, truthfulness, non-stealing, continence, and greedlessness. So one of my mentors always says that um, the first principle, the first precept of yoga is ahimsa. So that's another big word that yogis use a lot. It's on page 7, ahimsa. Nonviolence in thoughts, words, and actions to you and to others. And that's the yogis take that great vow to become one as they practice the yamas. Ahimsa is really hard because most people don't get past ahimsa. Like, when you were driving today, did you say something nasty to yourself or did you say something nasty under your breath to the person driving next to you, you know? Did you have any thought that was not kind to you? Did you do anything that was inappropriate, you know? I mean, ahimsa is, is such a big, powerful word more than just nonviolence but the deeds and the actions of your being to yourself and to others. So a lot of times I always say, oh, isn't it funny? You're saying that you are, um, you know, on, you might, you, you say you're like, oh, well, I ha- have practiced all the eight limbs and I'm on this limb. You know, if anybody ever tells you that, you can snicker under your breath and be like, hee, hee. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's a clay show that I just <laughs> taught you but it is kind of hard because most people are still at the first step every day Ata, now is the time I begin again you know so when you think of the um, sutras or you think of the eight limb path of the sutras I really think of it as like um, that description I was giving you yesterday of like uh, cogs in a wheel of an old wagon wheel Because we're not gonna be all, all the pistons aren't gonna be firing all the time, you know? There aren't very many people who are perfect all the time. So it's when you're in the zone, then everything's really fluid, but there might be a point where, you know, everything's not so copacetic and one limb might be a little bit off and you're really trying to work on making everything harmonious, but it's still rolling, right? Uh, when you go from the idea of ahimsa to satya, satya is truthfulness, honesty, or authenticity. So satya is really, really hard to be truthful, right? Because if you want to tell someone that you hate their coat, but they love that coat and they always wear that coat, what are you going to do? You know? it It is... Uh, it, to be totally honest all the time without hurting someone's feeling is a, a, it's a subtle nuance to walk, right? So sometimes there's the, you know, being the yogic truth and then there's also sometimes just protecting people and just um, telling little tiny white lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asteia, a non-stealing. Um, remember that the idea of ownership is limited. Um, like when someone's late, you can't ask for that time back. And that's why a lot of yogis are like, really like, you know, hardcore on time. But, you know, our life is so busy and and if someone's late, like all the time, then maybe, you know, that might be a really big issue to discuss about like time. But, um, and how they're kind of, stealing something from you, but the real idea of a uh, Asteya is that, you know, I'm not going to take something that's really important to my friend and um, just take it from them. Unless they gave it to you, then you're stealing, right? Uh, brahmacharya, sexual continence. Use your energy in a positive way, Right? So your sense organs in meditation is what they're, in moderation. Um, brahmacharya used to be where people would just practice um, and they would walk away from their families. Uh, you know, and they would just leave them like the story of Siddhartha. Uh, but now, because this is a householder practice, it's like, don't sleep with your neighbor. Don't do weird, inappropriate things on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and to use your energy wisely, you know? Like, some people withhold with their partners, maybe out of being mean, and that's not using your energy wisely, right? So, um, you always are taking it back to ahimsa non-violence in thoughts, words, and actions. Aparigraha is greedlessness or non-hoarding. So you're grasping. There's a great story about grasping um, that comes from the Upanishads that your hands and your feet and your mind are very similar because They can all grab something, and if I had a pen, I would grab it with my foot, right? I can grab a foot pen, I can grab a hand pen, and I can think of a pen in my head. Right, I can let go of the foot pen. I can let go of the hand pen, and then all of a sudden, my brain pen is like, "Oh, I remember that time in grade school when the little boy took my pen, and it was my favorite pen. My grandpa gave it to me, and, and he stole it, and you know, and then he like, blah 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 blah, and it just doesn't stop, right? And so then all of a sudden, you're practicing that uh, your mind is greedy and it hoards things but can you be not attached and can you let it go, right? So all of these yamas are also called the maha or the great vows. The yamas are intended to govern interpersonal relationships or the way we interact with others. If the goal of yoga is to experience the oneness of being, then the yamas reinforce that goal by minimizing the separation between ourselves and others. So that whole idea of one love, you know, And the oneness and that hippie energy is so true. Yep. 2.32. Saucha, Santosha, Tapa, Svadhyaya, Ishvara Pranahani, Niyama. So the Niyamas or personal observances are Saucha, which is cleanliness or purity in thoughts, words, and actions sentosha, which is contentment or promoting happiness, which I really like the word contentment way more than happiness, but our culture likes happiness. So people use happiness a lot, but really it's contentment because we're not always happy, right? But can you be content even in a sad situation, you know, without Mm -hmm. getting this huge rise out of things? That's sentosha. And then tapas is fiery discipline, which we talked about in the beginning of the chapter. Svadhyaya is study or self-study. And uh, we do a lot of that in our teacher trainings. And Ishvara is godliness or divinity. So you're self-study and your devotion to your divine nature is sometimes called the three-step path to enlightenment. So yamas are the golden rules, right? How to treat the yamas and niyamas. They're the golden rules or the good observances on how to kind of engage and interact with others, right? And the other handout that I gave you for the yamas and the niyamas We're all about these life lessons and skills and the character education. It's just a redundancy um, to uh, diving deeper into it. So it's something that you can study on your own. Uh, Someone once said that the aim of life is learning, how to be yourself, how to be good, and how to live. And I think that that is a pretty huge thing. The Yamas help us check our behaviors and then the yamas help us to refine our attitudes. On the back of that sheet, um, I there's and I got the yeah.
1: yamas and niyamas yesterday. I don't think I, okay. I'll
0: get that. Um, on the back of our sheet, um, it talks about the three examples. I give some examples, and we go through and we kind of play a, a We have a conversation about a difference between niyamas and yamas, right? And what they are. So I'll get those sheets out. And then we can sit and kind of give real-world examples. If you can think of, on the front of that page, real-world examples of a yama or a niyama. Niyamas and niyamas are um, you know, always interesting to, uh, and sometimes hard to remember them. So that's why it's sometimes fun to use them or kind of discuss different ways to think about them in real world scenarios. So you can see with the um, niyamas, like an example of an ahimsa could be going to work at the place tomorrow. Where are you going again? The animal shelter shelter tomorrow, right? If you're donating time, that's a form of uh, ahimsa because you're developing compassion for someone else. What would be an example of satya or honesty?
1: Time, even. I mean, all the little things. Sometimes we make up lies to avoid things and not doing that. Uh huh. Or promising overpromising, underpromising. Right. Those types of truths.
0: And how about uh, asteya So the idea of being open or um, not stealing.
1: Yeah. Stealing other people's time. Right. Not being controlling of what other people do and mm-hmm. how they do it.
0: That's a tough one, right? Yeah. Just like really respecting that individual
1: for who they are. And open to new things. We uh-huh. get stuck in our ways and uh-huh. how we do things. Yep. How about um,
0: Brahmacharya? What's well, a good example for that one?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Having a positive, healthy relationship. Right. And I think I can give a lot of anti-examples, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the example you gave, like, I have heard of people who withhold sex from their partner out of anger, like, or to get them back for doing something. Mm -hmm. It's a mind Mm -hmm. thing. Right.
0: Or if someone's always complaining about their partner, but is that really um that their um the idea of brahmacharya or like um sense withdrawal or or that your kind of um sexual continence is also emotional too. So like if you're always complaining about someone, but it's all about the complaining versus like the mm-hmm. finding the goodness in that person or finding the happiness in that relationship, um,
1: then well, it's always funny, those people that you talk to who all I do is complain about their partner, complain about someone, Yeah. but they're still together because yeah. things are really good. You never hear about the good things. It's right. all the bad things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And if they would stop complaining, then they might have a better, more um, interpersonal relationship if they were letting each person be themselves, like the one before where we were talking about that idea of um, a stay-up not trying to control someone. How about a parigraha? Being
1: happy with what you have, mm-hmm. and not wanting, wanting, yeah. wanting what everyone else has, or mm-hmm. someone has new shoes, or yeah, new whatever. Value on material goods. Yeah. Like being able to get rid of the things that no longer serve you. Right. I like that non-hoarding, just like getting rid of it.
0: Well, and also like the idea of a lot of times it's our thoughts that make it so. So like you're jealous of someone's new shoes because of something that triggered in your brain, you know? So that um, aparigraha, that grasping really has a lot to do with your mindset. How about niyamas? So the niyamas, as we're moving through this, these are helping us to really um, kind of like refine our attitudes, but they seem so simple, like cleanliness, saucha, right? How many people don't like to shower? So uh, it gets to a point where maybe this is becoming like in the time that this text was written, that people just needed these really simple rules to live by so diseases weren't spread
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: or war, you know wars weren't started like if one hero came back and he was like I don't like my wife anymore and now I'm going to go be with this woman or I'm going to I don't like this wife anymore and now I'm going to go be with a man or whatever but like it just kind of these really simple life lessons and rules to engage with others How about um, Sentosha? This kind of ties to letting your freak flag fly.
1: Kind of how we talked earlier, not letting what other people think of you matter, but keeping contentment with yourself because it's what you Mm -hmm. want or enjoy and not what other people think.
0: Right? Like, think of how many times... uh, The Harry Potter lady turned in to Quarry Letters to get people to publish her book, and they said no, and they said no, and they said no, and then they said no, and finally it happened, right? So it's like never give up on yourself because there is always space. Um, Tapas, enthusiasm or heat, right? It's uh, as an entrepreneur or, you know, uh, as someone who's a striver, sometimes it's really hard to just kind of like um, keep getting excited about something if you do get turned down, right? So one of the things with tapas is the idea of, um, keeping your energy alive, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. You know, um, uh, keeping up your practice, keeping up your routines and your rituals, so that you have that uh, joy de joy de vie, vie. What is it? Joy l- lust for vie? life. Yeah, joie de vie, lust for life. Yeah. I was
1: wondering how that was pronounced. Joie de vie.
0: And then Ishvara, that idea of having faith and the idea of Svadhyaya, we're doing that right now. So you're sitting here getting tired, staring at me, looking and learning all this stuff, which you already know subconsciously. We're just pulling it out again. So those are some interesting ways to think about... uh, uh, bringing the Yamas and Niyamas into our daily life so that it's easier to remember. Um, let's say them out loud together. Um, so 2.29. Yama. Yama. Yama.
1: Niyama, Niyama. Niyama.
0: Asana. 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 Pranayama, Pranayama. Pratyahara. Dharana. dhyana, Samadhi. Samadhi. And then it goes, oh, that's uh, separate, but it is the la- the word is samadhi, so that was good. And then that, so those are the um, uh, eight limbs, okay? Now we move into uh, the yamas, ahimsa, ahimsa. 2.30, satya, satya. brahmacharya, Aparigraha Aparigraha. Aparigraha. and then I think I double typed the same thing um Aparigraha and then it would go to uh hold on one second Uh, nope one two three four five it was just a double type yep Yama so five Alright, good job. And now um, uh, the Niyamas, Salcha, Salcha, Santosha,
1: Santosha,
0: Tapa, Tapa, Svadhyaya, Svadhyaya.
1: Svadhyaya.
0: Great. And then Ishvara, Ishvara, Ishvara. Pranahani. 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 Pranahani, Pranahani. Awesome. Duplicate. Great. So we have now said out loud the yamas and the niyamas and the eight-limb path. Now we're going to move on to uh, 2.33. Is when disturbed by disturbing thoughts, reflect on the opposite? So kind of like you're not denying something, but... You're trying to think like, this is impermanent, so this too shall pass. So we're allowing things not to, in. we're processing them, but we're not internalizing to them to the point where they throw you into the ditch, right? We're allowing things to kind of uh, move through us so that we understand it, but we don't we are able to rewire or reframe our brain and release that broken record and change our mood, which in turn changes our life. So you can see how a lot of self-help, a lot of coaching, a lot of all that stuff was done so long ago, just in a different kind of manner, right? It was through breath and movement. And then they had the sutras, so they would... Just remember their sutras. Other things that really help people nowadays um, are like tapping. Do you ever do tapping practices? I've heard of
1: it, but I've never done
0: it. Emotional freedom technique. Um, uh, Going out in nature, telling people, you know, if you're really stressed out, just go out in nature, take a walk, or um, laughing. That alternate nostril breathing that we did, That's a huge thing that really helps people flip the switch, right? Um, Because that's what this 2.33 is all about. When disturbed by disturbing thoughts reflect on the opposite. How can you flip the switch and take that cloudy day and make it a blue sky day? 2.35 is um, ahimsa, about ahimsa in the sense of why we practice non-harming. If you make a practice to never harm others in your thoughts, words, and actions, then in your presence, all conflict comes to an end. So um, Henry uh, James stated three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind, the second is to be kind, and the third is to be kind. So you're really um, giving yourself an opportunity to, when you practice non-harming and you radiate this sense of mindfulness and peace, and you have these aligned chakras, and you're really open to the people around you, right? Then those people start to feel a certain vibe, right? How they say you vibe with your tribe, and that's how you're drawn to certain people. But you also vibe with, um, or people gravitate towards you because of your ease, your charisma, your character. And people will then just mellow out, which is kind of nice. And this one's great, Shtira Sukha Asanam. What Patanjali has to say about the asana practice. The seat should be steady and joyful. So shtira is steady, grounded, and strong, but Sukha is joyful and sweet and easy. So you're ensuring that each asana is connected with a balance of steady and easy. And in the beginning of our cheat sheet, we talked about those key concepts of motion and stillness and effort and effortlessness. Remember that to find Shthira asana um, is not to think that everything just has to be all in between like motion and stillness. Like, have you ever seen a duck underwater? So their feet are really moving really fast, but on top they look like they're just smooth sailing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always that way in life. It is effortless effort. So shtirasukha is that same idea of the scales or tolasana. We're always finding this weird little bit of like, symmetry or synergy that keeps us going but it's always fluid between not too tight and not too loose between having way too much strength and rigidity to being too flaccid and loose and wishy-washy right that's what we're really working on that we ensure that each asana is connected a balance of steady and easy not saying that it's not work, because it's a lot of work to get to a point in life where you can be that way. But a lot of people um, and a lot of uh, ways that I try to communicate this to others is that um, we have to almost have a breakdown to break through. We have to almost have a little bit of uh, bitterness before it gets sweet. Hmm. So that sukha Asanam can really be almost like a mantra for life, you know. I need to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that to find that I can ride the waves of life with grace. And the next book that we're going to talk about is Vibhuti Pada. Your extraordinary powers and your supernormal powers, which are so awesome.